The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Merry Christmas from Garage Mahal. We are the Rebels, and this is the Rebel Podcast. You have P. Nate and Pootie in the studio. You just pointed at the wrong people. I for know, that. I know. Usually you do this, so I I'm know. a little out of my element. But well, see, I was going to start off by saying, "Merry Christmas, you filthy animals!" <laughs> <laughs> like that's that'd be I th- festive. I feel festive? like that's that's probably more up our alley than just saying "Merry Christmas." Totally. Like if, "Merry Christmas, yeah, heathens." <laughs> <laughs> You totally depraved sinner. <laughs> you absolutely uh, in need of a savior sinners. Yes. But Me included. Here we are. We are the rebels and it's Advent. It's December. There's snow on the ground. There's um, chestnuts roasting on the open fire. You know, whatever the case may be. It is Christmas time. I hope you're getting ready. I hope you're enjoying the time. I hope you're singing lots of Christmas carols in your churches on Sundays and throughout the week with your family. It's Christmas time. Yeah. How many times do you think... Will like uh, churches will sing "We wish you a Merry Christmas" before now, before now, and Christmas Eve, thirty, forty what? each. No, that's that. <laughs> if that song is sung in church at all, it's got to only be Christmas Eve. I know. I yeah, that's that's not a that's not a especially when we're talking about such great Christmas <laughs> songs. Um, so we've gone through a couple. We've gone through "Oh Oh Come Emmanuel," "Oh Holy Night." There's lots of other great ones. We we were contemplating doing "God Rest You Merry" today. Um, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Uh, God Rest You Merry is actually a book by Doug Wilson, um, which you should all read. Um, I think it's actually, it was free in November, I believe. Was I don't it? know if it's still free. So, I don't know how long their free thing goes on yeah. for. So, um, but today we are going to talk about Silent Night. So Silent Night is kind of universally one of uh, people's favorite Christmas carols. It's definitely one that uh, if you're if you're at a candlelight service this Christmas Eve, and you should be, um, you'll likely sing Silent Night. Um, that's when we'll be singing ours. Just a heads up for anybody coming to, <laughs> coming to Crossroads. Uh, we will light the candles and we will sing Silent Night. Um, it's a great. Uh, it's a great song and uh it's about 200 years old so like all of these christmas carols i mean they're old they're um they're a couple hundred years old they've stood the test of time and uh there's a lot of history behind them we went through more history last week with uh oh holy night than we will tonight with silent night um but silent night is an interesting one is originally written in german uh, so we have, uh, obviously, the link, English lyrics behi- beside us here. We'll go through them right after we hear the song. So here is Silent Night. Hi, Dave here. Before we listen to Silent Night, we want to thank Derek Drover for the use of his rendition of this old carol. Derek is a local London area singer-songwriter. He recently released his new album titled Christmas. You can learn more about Derek at his website, DerekDrover.com. Silent Night 
Have it silent night and such a great such a great song it's very like quietly peaceful as you're listening to it, it is, with, the, yeah. with the lyrics and it's it's fitting because the song is talking about silent night the night that christ was born so let's why don't we just start going through the verses and we'll start talking about them as we go so I'll, let me read the first verse for us 
Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Such a good verse. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, especially like we talked about uh, Oh Holy Night last week, and it has this like these big rises. And this one has a couple of rises, but it's it's generally, yeah, it's got this peaceful, calm, um, meditative maybe meditative yeah sure uh, melody to it which which is good and i think it's um it's it's interesting you know it kind of talks about the the tenderness of of jesus as an infant so one of the things that i think um that's really interesting about this particular song is is just that it seems like it puts the the humanity of christ on display a little bit just because um, kind of like away in the manger, although I, I, I dislike that song for some reasons, um, right? Like the no crying he makes kind of takes away from the humanity of Christ a little bit. Um, but silent night here, it kind of gives you this, you know, there is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, I have, uh, two young kids and one on the way. Um, and, uh, and there's been a lot of crying in our house over, <laughs> over the last three and a half years. Uh, kids aren't always quiet, but there is like, even, you know, I thought that was just you. <laughs> 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 well played, well played. Um, but there is there, you know, babies sleep a lot when they're um, when they're first born, and there is that sort of like tenderness of you had this little fragile, quiet sleeping thing in your hand. I remember the first time when we first had Quinn, and and you're kind of holding her and just looking at her, and she was sleeping at this point, and you're just like, she seems so breakable, right? she seems so fragile. I don't trust myself with her, and and there, there's a, there's an element of that. So like, whereas Oh Holy Night. Um, and some of the Christmas carols very rightly talk about just the power and the um, the majesty of Christ, and and that is that's part of His divine nature and and part of the culmination of the story of Christmas. But there's something in here that kind of just the melody itself almost speaks to the the tenderness of of the infant, and and sometimes I think we forget how vulnerable Jesus was, like the fact that the Savior of the world would be born in this fragile little baby it it's it's just it's interesting yeah it's it's very interesting the thing that i always think with this is that um how how crazy sovereign is god that he lets basically lets jesus be born but that means mary and joseph have to take care of the baby right like uh, the the responsibility on the parents there to care for the savior of the world because let's be honest babies can't take care of themselves you've you've experienced it you know there's they they fall off things they they put things in their mouths jesus is no different as a baby at this point like he's still going to bump his head probably he's yep. still good like still going to probably put Can things you imagine in his mouth. the panic on mary and joseph when they left him at the temple but yeah the, there would be definitely there would be those moments where i'm sure the gravity of it you know as joseph is holding his son for the first time and and that feeling right like you feel like you could just drop this thing and it would it would shatter like that is how you feel with a brand new newborn and so like like you said, and, and this is, you know, when, when we talk about this, I'm, I'm always reminded of the, the term meek, right? The term meek means essentially power restrained. And that's exactly what we see in, in Jesus is, is all of the power of the Son of God um, constrained and, and placed in this small human. And so the fact that he took on a, a human nature, became human definitively forever at the incarnation is just an amazing thing. 
And then the other thing that this first verse kind of speaks to that I think is worth our attention is around yon virgin, mother and child. Um, The reason I just want to focus on that is because we live in an age where a lot of the church and a lot of the apostate denominations that would call themselves churches have lost faith in the virgin birth. And yet we sing this at Christmas, but we don't believe it throughout the, our, uh, and yet the, the, the person who penned this recognized the necessity of the virgin birth. And so if we, if we want to, you know, take a break from reading the lyrics for just a moment, and just talk for a second, like it's important for us to reflect on the, the virginity of Mary at the, um, at Christmas, be, and, and, and this is something your pastor should be talking about. This is something that your, your pastor should reiterate. The necessity of believing in actual virgin birth is, like you, it, it is a necessity, right? Without a virgin birth, then Jesus is born with original sin. Without, without both the, the human mother and the divine, um, the divine father um, um, conceiving Jesus, um, that's how the, the full humanity and the full divinity uh, come into a single person. That's how Jesus has both divine and man, uh, human nature. So it, it is a, it's absolutely ne- necessary. Yeah, the, Jesus, Jesus has to have a sinless nature. He has to be... <laughs> He has to be blameless or he can't atone for our sin because he's under it himself. Right. Um, so he, ha- he has to have been born half by us, so Mary, and then yeah. half by God, by God or he wouldn't have been able to pay the price for our sins. Right? Well, he, yeah, and, and that's exactly right is that, you know, he needed to be a man because it was man who owed the debt. He had to be God because only God's blood is worth um, the price of all of the elect from you know the beginning to the end of time. So there was a necessity. There's a necessity to his his humanity and his divinity. And uh, and I think as we as we sing this song, um, we should think about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love I love the fact that you pointed out that the virgin birth is something that's under attack. Yeah. And it's not it's not one of those things that are like aggressively under attack. It's just one of those things that we forget about. We don't think about. We don't focus on. It it only ever comes up two weeks before Christmas, Christmas Eve, and then and then we don't think about it again. But it's essential. Yeah. Because one. Christ is unique in this. He's yeah. the only one who this has ever been true for. It's the only one who would, it will ever be true for. It speaks to the fact that Christ is one of us, but he's not But He's not us, right? He's still the son of God. It's important because it affirms that we think that we believe the Bible is true. It speaks of the inerrancy of scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Because the scripture proclaims this is how it happened. And like we, we said, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus had a sinless nature, and this is where this is where it all stems from—the fact that he was born of a virgin who didn't come into Adam's sin, so yep. therefore he could pay for Adam's sin. And I think um, just just to kind of equip uh, a few Christians uh, who might, so you might hear that the that the Greek word um, for virgin just just means a young woman, and and that that's true. Um, and, uh, and so you might hear that from somebody and you might have kind of, uh, your, you know, the rug pulled out from under you, but just read the verses. I mean, yes, absolutely. It can mean a young woman, but it also can mean a virgin. And so you read it in its context and, uh, and you realize, well, why was it that Joseph wanted to divorce her? Why is it that, um, the, that the author of both Luke and Matthew's accounts then went on to say that Joseph would, did not know his wife until after 
after the baby was born? Why, like, why are those pieces important? Um, and, uh, and why is it that Mary asked, how can this be since I haven't been with a man? (laughs) It, it, you know, so it's easy for kind of liberal Christians to throw out something like that. Um, but like most, um, liberal accusations, um, into the inerrancy of scripture, they haven't, they haven't actually done the work on the context. So just to equip you a little bit. So let's jump into the second verse here. Silent night. Holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Great verse. It is a great verse. <laughs> We're going to say that about every yeah, verse. Like that's, that's basically the first line after everything. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, think, I think that's... I think I think it's a great um, as the, as the song progresses, it's progressively revealing more. Just like scripture is progressively revealed more about God, this song is revealing more about about Jesus. So, I, shepherds quaking at the sight, glory stream from heaven and afar, heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. There there was a sense of praise that night. Yeah. So there's a sense of praise at Reverence. the fact that exactly uh, like, yeah. that God has fulfilled part of his covenant. God has p- fulfilled in Christ what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to send this. He said he was going to send Jesus. He promised this at the beginning. God is the only one who will keep his promises because yep. he swears them by himself. So he, and then this verse speaks of the fact that this is the night that he fulfills that. That's right. He's, he sent his son this night, Christ, the savior. Well, well, what is the savior? What was that for us to save us from what we've already done? Right. He's come, he's coming. And what, what was happening in heaven? What's happening in the other realm at this time? Everybody knows what's what's coming this day. And so they're singing hallelujah for it. It's just a beautiful picture of kind of kind of the other side of what's happening that like God's rejoicing at what's about to happen. Yeah, totally. And yeah. so there's that verse like a, um I think it's in Isaiah where it's like it gave him pleasure to to destroy his son. Yeah. This is the first step Depression, of that, right? Yeah. Like he's sending the son because ultimately Christ needs to go to the cross to pay for our sins, but this is the first step of it because he before he does that he brings the kingdom. And so he he brings the savior of the world so that we can see and we can learn what what he's like and who he is. This is the first. This is the first. Just proclaims that to me. Yeah. Um, and and again, I, I just love the um, uh, again kind of the the melody, right? That it's it's keeping this like reverent sort of. And again, it, it kind of contrasts with a lot of the oh holy nights and the joy to the worlds that are out there. God rest you, merry gentlemen. It, there is this solemnness to this uh, this carol that continues through it into the third verse that says, "Silent night, holy night, Son of God, loves pure light." Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Um, and, and one of the things that I noticed as we were preparing to kind of talk through this is you kind of get um, in these three verses, you kind of get the prophet, priest, and king um, uh, offices that Christ was was meant to fill, right? So in the first in the first uh, stanza, it talks about, you know, the, the virgin birth and um, coming as an infant, both of things, both things that are prophesied in the Old Testament, right? Especially if you think about Isaiah chapter nine, right? Unto us a child is born, 
the virgin will conceive, right? So there's this prophetic part here where the, the pro- prophecies are coming true and the prophet is coming. And then in the second stanza, there's that uh, Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. And it, it, it talks about that sort of, why, how is he our Savior? Because he brings us back to the Father. He, he um, fulfills that kind of priestly role as the mediator between God and man. And then in the last one, right, it's Son of God loves pure light, or it goes into Jesus, Lord at thy birth, Jesus, Lord at that birth. And that is his, king, his kingly uh, right and his kingly rule. So you get this, like, it starts off, it's this baby, and then it progressively, like you said, it gets into this baby who is promised um, is not only your savior from the second stanza, but he's also your king. He's also your um, your Lord, your God, um, which I think is just um, awesome. It's awesome that it kind of ties those things together. Yeah, it's it's it, it is awesome. There's no other real words to to describe that. Um, I love I love the I just love the way the song ends with proclaiming that Jesus is Lord from from birth um and obviously <laughs> we've, we've often joked about did he know right away <laughs> you know what I mean? like <laughs> things like that that's not what this is saying this is basically just saying jesus is king he's king right away. he's yeah. king from day one for forevermore because god has always been king that's right and so it's just pro- proclaiming that I, lo- I love the i love the part where it's like son of god oh loves pure light and it's just pointing out that jesus is is the embodiment of love and he's the light of the world and <laughs> Jesus didn't walk around with beams of light glaring from his face so but like the idea that what does light do is it conquers darkness and so when Jesus came to the world he came back what as we Doug Wilson said it on this podcast we've said it many of times he he came to destroy the kingdom of darkness yeah. and so when Jesus came even as a baby that began to start and so the idea that Jesus' light is just radiating from him and all that are consumed are consumed by it turn to the light and continue to destroy the kingdom of, of darkness. I just love the, the imagery of this, right? Interestingly, um, so for those of you who like Crossroads, we'll be singing this song on Christmas Eve. Um, this song, Christmas Eve 2018, will be the 200-year anniversary of when this song was per- first performed. So this song was first performed live Christmas Eve 1818 in uh, St. Nicholas Parish, uh, which is in modern-day Austria. Um, so there's a priest there, uh, Father Joseph Moore, who um, had, uh, had written the lyrics to this song, and uh, he'd, he'd written the lyrics to this song uh, about a year or so before. Um, but this is the first time it was ever publicly performed, Christmas Eve, 1818. So that's interesting, right? So when you are singing it this year, it'll be the 200-year anniversary of of the first time this was ever performed. And it, it's not just how old things are that make them important or anything like that, but the fact that this this song has has stood the test of time, right? And you think about the men, the, the Charles Spurgeons and the Martin Lloyd-Jones who have sang this song throughout, you know, the 200 years of history that it has um, through, you know, the, the great world wars and the great depressions, you know, Christians would have sang this song with awe and reverence, thinking about Christ's um, birth at Christmas time for all of those years. And it's just, there, there's something about that. That's why I love, you know, the Apostles' Creed and, and some of 
these um, litur- uh, liturgies that we use in our services because there's history to them. And you think about the the strength that they've been for people who are walking through difficulty or facing really difficult times. Um, you know, this this is a song that would have been uh, getting circulated at the turn of the century and all the things during, like I said, during the Great Depression, during the First World War, the Second World War. You know, um, this was uh, originally actually written in, in uh, um, German and Austrian, I guess. I don't know if those are the same languages. Ooh, should have looked that up, but um, I, I don't think they are, but I think they're, anyway, whatever. European. Um, yeah. You're, oh, man, I sound so racist. But... Um, <laughs> You know, so how many, how many uh, Christians, you know, during, uh, you know, some of the atro- atrocities that were happening uh, under Nazi Germany and stuff would have been singing this song, you know, celebrating around Christmas time. Like, it's just, there, there's history to it. And you just think about the, the many brothers and sisters of the faith throughout those 200 years of history who have sang this song and garnered from it joy and strength and affection for Christ. It's, yeah, exactly. There's... <laughs> There's immense history to it, but part of the reason songs last is because they're good, right? Yeah, like, you're right. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we say this all the time at, at uh, Crossroads. There's a reason hymns are often the songs everybody knows and everybody loves because they've stood the test of time. They've, like we, to use the analogy of Christians who run the race, they've persevered yeah, the absolutely. race, right? So these songs are have lasted and they've, and they've proclaimed the truth and they continue on. I'm sure there was hundreds of songs that were written 200 years ago that have about, like have disappeared that were probably even good at the time, but this one has lasted, and there's a reason it's lasted because it proclaims the things we want to want to proclaim, right? And yeah. I think it's I think like I think you were very accurate when you pointed out it's there's something cool with Christianity where we can where we can sing the song knowing that brothers and sisters who we will never meet this side of glory, like Spurgeon, like. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones and all the other saints that have sung the song over the years are singing the same lyrics, the same truths that we're singing today. And there's like an unchanging nature of that where it's pointing out that, yes, our time here may be fleeting, but the word of God never changes. What God has done has never changes. The gospel never changes. The facts of the story, virgin birth, that Christ is Lord, that Christ is King, that Christ is Savior, those facts, those historical facts never change. And we're going to be singing them and 10,000 years from now, we'll still be singing them in heaven and, and other people will be singing them, yeah. singing them, and it'll be the same truths. And it's just, it's just a great feeling to, to think of. Mm-hmm. So. I think, um, so there's, there, is a, there is a story about Silent Night, um, and uh, I guess in Christmas 1914, which is about five months after the beginning of World War I, um, something uh, really kind of cool happened on the Western Front, where there was already over a million soldiers that had already been di- that had already died or been wounded, and uh, and on December twenty fourth, uh, nineteen fourteen, on Christmas Eve, there was a moment when all the trenches went silent, and there were several soldiers apparently um, on the Allied side who kind of raised up um, little uh, greenery uh, with lights on them onto the upper edge of the trenches, and uh, they weren't fired on. And, uh, and then, you know, in this, in this approximately 50 kilometer, um, uh, space between both sides trenches, um, there came one on one, on one side, uh, the German rendition and on the other side, the English and French renditions of, uh, of silent night. And, uh, apparently there were no more shots fired. 
um, uh, for the next day and a half. So the rest of Christmas Eve in through all of Christmas Day. And the soldiers um, kind of had a bit of a non-negotiated ceasefire uh, that started with the singing of Silent Night. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how accurate that story is. I just got it off. Uh, um, actually, if you if you look up the German name of Silent Night, uh, there's a domain name for it. And it talks about some of the historical cool things. And that was one that kind of stood out to me. And the reason it stood out to me is, is simply because um, it's interesting that we talk about the peace that God brought with him at Christmas time. And it seems like some of these these stories where where some of these um, uh, timeless carols kind of got got hit, you know mixed in with some pretty interesting history is around really bloody wars and and moments of ceasefire and moments of where enemies kind of came together to sing over Christmas or wouldn't shoot at each other over Christmas and stuff like that and it's just interesting because I think Christmas and we've talked about this a lot um, Christmas kind of um, shows an one area of culture where Christians have won, right? We've won the fight for Christmas. Nobody's nobody's um, worshiping Thor. Nobody's worshiping fertility goddesses anymore, or, or at least a very small amount. There's no rampant paganism on Christmas anymore. They've all been usurped. They've all been put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory, and uh, and there is this sort of peace that enters um, the atmosphere around Christmas, and even pagans recognize it. Well, why is that? It's because the peace of of Christ has has kind of taken over that season, and and. I think that's just a foreshadowing. There's nothing, we shouldn't draw too much from that, except that that's a foreshadowing of what the ultimate gospel peace will look like when everything has been placed underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit to throw out there. Yeah, amen. Amen. So that's uh, that's Silent Night, another one of our favorites. Uh, different, uh, reverent, uh, quiet, contemplative, and we hope that uh, as you sing it this year, uh, your affections have been raised for Christ, and uh, you can see all the glorious truth, as Chris uh, mentioned just a moment ago, uh, in this song, and uh, and worship God. Exactly. So, as always, these uh, these podcasts for for this season, anyways, to just help you engage your culture around you with these songs. They're going to be singing. Your co- friends and coworkers who don't necessarily know Christ will be singing these songs. It's a good chance to just, you know, engage in the conversation. Be like, you just sang these lyrics. Do you know what they mean? I don't know. You probably don't word it that way, but um, it gives you an opportunity to to speak of Christ's victory and what Christ has done in in your culture and your workplaces. Have a great one, guys. <laughs> <laughs>